Welcome to the KSU Academy podcast, where it's for the students and by the students. This is our last podcast of the semester. Hi, I'm Zachary Law. And I'm Kate Newman. And today we are joined by a very special producer guest um, for the documentary 6,000 Waiting. Um, Kate, why don't you tell us about this wonderful documentary? I will. So today we have a very special guest. Her name is Irene Turner, and she is from, or the producer, I should say, of a documentary film called 6,000 Waiting. And we are so glad you're here today. Thank you. I'm excited to be here. Oh, um, so basically what 6,000 Waiting is, is that it tells the powerful stories of three Georgians with developmental disabilities whose lives are significantly impacted by the staggering lack and complexity of state Medicaid waiver funding. Oh, very interesting. So, um, Ms. Irene, we actually have a few written questions. Some of these came from me and Kate. Others came from some other students that are here at the um, academy. Um, <coughs> some of them came from the Wizards of Kennesaw Place, which is actually the content creators. Um, so, Kate, you don't mind starting with the first half of the question. Of course. Okay, so in your own words, can you describe the film for us? Yeah, sure. Um, so, 6,000 Waiting is a film that dives deep into the three lives and stories of individuals in Georgia. And all of those individuals are kind of working their way through the Medicaid waiver waitlist system. Um, they all three have a developmental disability. So it's Noah who, and his mom, Naomi, Ben and Nick. And all three of their stories are very different from each other, their current circumstances, and then kind of where they end up at the end of the film. That's pretty neat. Yeah. Oh, um, can you describe the Medicaid waiver? Yes. Um, the Medicaid waiver is a home and community-based waiver, and there are several different kinds, but each of the waivers um, function as a funding system that allows a person with a developmental disability to access services. Um, and these services really help them thrive in their life. So the services can look like supplies and equipment. It can look like um, a support staff person coming in on a daily basis. It can look like different therapies or skill building activities or job coach. Oh, that's nice. Yeah, sounds very interesting. Okay, so how did you get involved with 6000? So my involvement with 6,000 Waiting started the year prior, and it started with the Storytelling Project. And the Storytelling Project is a large project that's been going on for about four years. And each year we develop a new project that serves as a platform for people with disabilities to tell their stories. So the film 6,000 Waiting came in the second year of the Storytelling Project, and it serves as a... Um, just like a large stage in a way that we can talk about these stories, talk about the wait list, and really get people engaged with um, advocacy work. Oh, that's nice. Okay. So what inspired you to create this documentary? Wow, that's a good question. So the documentary idea was, um, was formulated over... Um, a few meetings after that first year of the project where myself and um, Tim Moore, who's the executive director of Large Atlanta, 
and um, another partner, Betty Bernard. We sat down and we thought about the first year of the project where we had collected 100 stories from people with disabilities. Yeah, and we said, okay, we have these stories. How can we get them out to the most people? Um, And a lot of ideas were bounced around, and Tim was like, let's make a documentary film. Let's really follow a few of these folks around, see what their lives are like, and create a movie. Cool, cool. What made you decide to pick these three individuals? Yeah, so that was a that was a fun and somewhat stressful process. Um, we had these hundred stories, um, and we gathered a team of filmmakers and um, directors. So it was Michael McDonald, and then um, a company called Rhyme and Reason, Zach and Lexi Reed, and we all spent a weekend together. Um, also with our storytellers, Shannon Turner and Tim Moore. And we kind of sequestered ourselves in a house with these hundred stories. And we just dived into them. And we talked about um, what, were, what were the big points in different people's lives, um, what sort of story they told, and then what sort of story they told together. So we knew the end result. We wanted to have a film that reached people and reached a broad audience and hopefully um, engaged people in getting involved and in, in doing advocacy work. Which story impacted you most? Wow, I, that's, a, that's a good question. So out of the three stories in the film, they each had a unique, um, unique things that they brought to the overall story of the film. Um, so Nick's story of still currently being in a nursing facility, that's a really big deal. That's a very, yeah, yeah, it's a very, um, it's a place that makes you feel small in your life and like you don't have a lot of options. Um, Then Ben is just so amazing. Um, I love hanging out with him. I love hanging out with his family. And then Naomi and Noah just have a special place in my heart. And I still, I talk to them on a daily basis. Nick is texting me as I was coming up the elevator. So we're all still really good friends. So, yeah. So you mentioned a little bit about um, the nursing home. For those who haven't seen the film, can you, you know, describe why that's such an an impact to the story? Yeah. So um, as I mentioned earlier, all three stories sort of end up in a very different place. And um, Nick's story ends up where he, he's in a nursing home. Um, and before the nursing home, he lived out in the community just like anyone else. Um, he had a job, an apartment, he had a dog, and you should see the film and sort of see how his story evolves and he ends up in this nursing facility. And, um, and it's not a good place. So yeah, it's a really important aspect of life and society for all of us to know exist. Um, I, I didn't know that this existed in our society at all before getting involved with this project. Yeah. Well, yeah. Um, well, first off, thank you too for um, introducing me. Really appreciate it. Um, <laughs> really appreciate that introduction. That very, very, very silent intro. Um, so, so um, my to touch a little bit on on Nick. He actually he said like one. Of, I actually watched the um, excuse me the the doc like I want to say a month ago, and um, 
he has like one of like my favorite lines in that entire film in which he says um no he doesn't have a disability but he has a different ability right and so that really that kind of like got to me because he's right in a sense like everyone's pretty um different in a sense whether you have like a, a disability or not and i'm sure like you had also mentioned that you are like a like your job basically revolves around like a lot of like broad storytelling and so would you say that you're um i guess like my question would be like what would you hope uh people that probably don't have disabilities what do you think they could gain or learn out of watching a documentary like this I would hope that people who don't have disabilities or maybe don't have someone in their life who has a disability um, would be able to to find themselves in a place of resonance when they're watching the film so that they're engaging with people who have disabilities and finding um, common ground and like brotherhood and sisterhood, really. I can see that. I can see that happening. Did you, did you guys have any other any questions for There you go. So, Miss Irene, um, at the time of the film, at the time of this film being made or this documentary, whatever you want to say, um, we saw that there were 6,008 people on this waiting list. Um, has that number increased or decreased? So, since the filming um, in Georgia, that number has increased. I think the last numbers that I saw on um, the Department of Behavioral Health um, was around 7,000. So in Georgia, it is increasing right now. Wow. That's crazy. And what can we do to alleviate this problem? There's um, several things that people can do to help alleviate the problem. Um, there currently is a bill in our state legislature. It's Senate Bill 208. And that bill is calling for all people on the waitlist in Georgia to get the funding within five years. So oh, that's a really big deal. Wow. Yeah, it's the um, first time in a long time, at least in the first time that I know of, that a bill has been introduced directly to fully fund and end the waitlist. So getting involved on a legislative and advocacy level is huge and really impactful right now um, in a way that it hasn't been before. But um <clears throat> sorry so in terms of a i guess in terms of like the with the people with disabilities in general i know you had mentioned you had just mentioned the um the senate bill to our age um i know that can alleviate that from a uh i guess like an economic standpoint of some sort but what do you think um can help alleviate the issue from like a social standpoint like how do you um it's like <laughs> we did like a mock interview last week and so i basically said uh talking to people whether you have a disability or not i think that'd be like the best way you know just to try to understand them but um what would you think would be like the best way to socialize with someone who may be like hindered or have like a disability of some sort yeah i think what you're hitting on quinn is really really important um when this whole system came about after the Olmstead Act and people were being deinstitutionalized. Um, 
as a community, a state and a country really, there were some real challenges and difficulties um, with people with disabilities going from being totally separate in institutions to being in the community fully without that kind of medium place that you're talking about where it's social, where we're changing our hearts and minds really to embrace people with disabilities and have them embrace us and be an actual fabric of a community. So what I think we can do is just commit to taking a step on that path, like wherever you are in your community and you know or see someone with a disability in your community, engage with that person. Like if it's at church, go up and say like, hi, my name is Irene. What's your name? How are you doing today? And just start that relationship, even if it's just that small step. And also to follow up on that, um, Irene, um, I also had a follow-up question to Quinn's question in a way. Um, how do you think this documentary would um, establish disability people in the workforce or like as they go in for job interviews, like in the academy, um, we're now getting to that stage where um, we're all trending to graduate and going to the workforce. How do you think that would impact future soon-to-be or current employers like at restaurants, um, businesses, etc.? Yeah, so um, you're touching on a really huge point. And that is there is a very large workforce within the community of people who have disabilities and um, they need to be out in the workforce and having jobs and working and, and like pursuing their dreams and careers. Um, what's good about 6,000 Waiting is that one of the stories in there, Ben Oxley, he is at that age. He has graduated high school. He's about to get into college and he's been working in between. So um, I think it's, a, it's really fun to see him and cheer him on in that process through the movie. And also, is there anything else about this film that you would like to share with us? Mm. So much, yes. I mean, first and foremost, see the film. It's available for everyone to see, and it's a great film. Um, we had such a good time making this film, and there are so many moments. Um, just really sweet moments I'm thinking about with Naomi and Noah um, making the film and just you can see their love for each other when when you're in Definitely. their home and in their Definitely, room it's yeah. really a, a good space to be in and just see how um, much people love each other yes is there like a specific platform to watch it on because I, I know it's on the website yeah but is there like any like outside um, source that we could watch it yeah, so we're in the process of talking with um, film aggregators and and figuring out which platform the film is going to be on. So to be continued for that, but the website is a great place to see the film right now. Okay. So can you tell us a little bit more about the storytelling project? Yes, the storytelling project is a project through the Georgia Council on Developmental Disabilities in partnership with Flarsha Atlanta. And it's been going on for, um, we're in our fourth year this year. And oh, wow. the storytelling project it, it serves as a platform for stories um, from people with disabilities to get out and to reach other people. So along with 6,000 Waiting, the documentary film, we have two seasons of a podcast, which is called Hidden Voices. 
Um, we've collected 100 stories from across the state of people with disabilities. And then this year we have Treasure Maps. It's a Georgia storytelling roadshow where we're touring six cities across the state this June and July. And we're having 10 storytellers um, do a performance. So is um, the storytelling project, is that just based around telling stories of people with disabilities or um, is it a broader range of people? It is, um, it's just people who have developmental disabilities. Yeah, so it's a partnership between those two organizations that are advocacy focused on disability issues. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for coming in today and just having a heart you know, for, for people and specifically for people with disabilities. Um, and just shedding a light on, you know, this injustice. And I hope this podcast can kind of um, help spread the word so that, you know, like, when we yeah, talked about yeah. empathy and I think our students here at the academy, um, you know, had a lot of empathy and, and understanding for what people um, are going through in the state of Georgia. So I hope that we can also help to alleviate this problem. So yes. thanks again, Irene. Thank, thank you, you so much. Yeah, thank you for, um, for having, for coming to the podcast today. Yeah, yeah, thank you so much. Um, folks at home, I hope you enjoyed this episode of the Academy podcast. There will be more in the fall. Um, but um, unfortunately, um, I will have already graduated as of the time of this recording. So, <laughs> But we'll have you back for, yeah. for a guest, yeah. right? Yeah. Okay, thank you. Thank you. Go Owls. <laughs> thank you too, by the way. <laughs> excluding me. What's wrong with y'all?